Hello and welcome to the Trinity Podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. And me, Ben Hughes. We are the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and creators of the Fit Over 40 method. And for more information about what we do, go to www.fit40info.com. So in today's episode, we're going to get into five reasons why your weight isn't budging. So sit back and relax and welcome to today's Trinity Podcast. I speak to a lot of women who are in their 40s and in their 50s, so looking to drop a dress size or two, but they're struggling to see any movement with their weight. So lots of women are trying all the plans and all the programs which work for them in their 20s and in their 30s, but they find that they just step on the scales at the end of the week and they see zero movement. And this can be really, really frustrating. And it can leave people feeling completely trapped. It can leave people dreading going on beach holidays, no longer enjoying shopping for clothes, worrying that they'll, they'll never actually be able to lose that excess weight or that this is just a part of the aging process that they're going to have to accept. And that's not really a nice place for anybody to end up in. And while it is true that age and hormones can make it easier to gain weight, especially around the middle, and it can make it more difficult to lose that weight again, the good news is there is a quick and easy way to escape this situation. It's probably easier than you think to get those scales moving and to get the results you want. And it usually just comes down to a few simple mistakes that people make which stop them from seeing the results in the mirror. And today we're gonna to go through the five most common reasons that women over 40 struggle to see movement on the scales and share with you our most effective strategies to get those scales moving and to drop those couple of dress sizes over the next few months. Okay, so let's get straight into it um, with reason number one. And these are all reasons that we hear from people who apply to join our Fit Over 40 program every month, um, which is, currently um closed but it's going to be reopening towards the end of the month um just because it's we're full with spaces at the moment but these are the kind of the five key reasons we hear that we can kind of diagnose on that phone call when people do apply that why they're not seeing progress and usually that's something that's fairly straightforward for us to, to spot because you know we've worked with thousands of women now in this area um and we've got lots of experience with it so the first reason that i see a lot with a lot of clients um prior to working with us or even when they start working us something we kind of need to fix is that their weekend eating kind of undoes all of their hard work from the week so they eat really well all week you know they they may be doing this on their own as i said or even start with us and they might do this still and what they're doing is they they might be eating like salads or really small lunches like soups and then they're they're cooking from scratch for their meals in the week um, and generally not eating that much they're probably very busy as well they might be having a small breakfast like some yogurt or some fruit or something like that and then they're getting through the day on things like coffee and stuff. And they're, they're actually not eating that much in the week. But then what happens is it gets to the weekend and that's when their food choices go out the window. They've been really good throughout the week. They've been really um, strict with their food choices in the week. But then at the weekend, it completely goes, you know, they go a bit mad. They've had a stressful week and they just want to release. So they, they go I'm fed up of cooking. I can't be bothered to cook anymore and clean up everything afterwards. So they might order a takeaway on a Friday, they might get pizza, they might get Chinese, they might get an Indian. And the problem with this is these a lot of these foods, especially if you don't make a better choice, like there are better and worse choices. A lot of these, these foods, oh, Instagram's about to turn itself off. That's always useful. A lot of these foods are really, really um, high in calories. So the average Indian takeaway is about 1300 
1350 calories and has about 55 grams of fat, which is like 80% of the daily recommended amount for, um, for women. And that's according to a report in which, which means that, you know, if you eat that and you've already eaten a normal rest of your day sort of eating, that's going to be a way too much food. And then you might also add in a bit of alcohol. You might have a bottle of wine or a couple of pints of beer or some snacks. And by that point, you're easily over 2,000, 2,500 calories um, just for that meal. And even if you don't eat much in the week, eating mindlessly over the weekend like this, so a few meals like this, maybe visiting friends, eating a piece of cake, having a few biscuits, it's pretty easy for this to all spiral out of control and therefore for your you to kind of undo all the hard work from the week and then not lose any weight. You might not gain weight, but you might not lose any, anything. And this is because your weight mainly comes down to the amount of calories you take in compared to the amount of calories that you burn. Calories are a unit of energy and it's something that you can't avoid. This is just straight, straight science here. You can't avoid this. There's not any way around this. If you consume too many calories for the amount of energy that you're burning throughout the week through walking around, through perhaps exercising as well, then you're guaranteed to gain weight or not lose weight if you're, if you're overeating every single week. So Ben and I were kind of chatting before this about the two kind of solutions you can have to this. So either one thing we do with our clients is just, just focus on the average calories over the week. So if they're going to eat more over the weekend, we have to really bring it down in the week and find a balance between that so that they, they kind of can control that. And we work with our clients to do this in a way where they actually track the calories they're consuming initially. So they get a really good understanding and a close understanding of what's going on so they can actually hit this balance right. Because otherwise... I think Ben used this analogy. Um, I read it somewhere. He used it recently about if you're just kind of eating and hoping you're eating the right amount, it's kind of like trying to navigate through a pitch black house at night without a torch. You're just walking around hoping you won't bump into stuff, hoping you won't break stuff, hoping you won't cause any problems or hurt yourself. And it's the same thing most people are doing. They're just eating and hoping that it's the right amount. And unfortunately, most of the time that doesn't really work. It would be like if you if you never could see your bank balance and you just had your card and you're spending and you're not quite sure, have I got enough money for this? I'm not really sure. I'll just spend it. You don't know if you're going into your overdraft or not. And that's what most people are like. And your overdraft is kind of like those fat stores in your body. If you spend too much, if you eat or drink too much, your body has no choice but to store its fat. Just like if you spend too much on your credit, on your, on your debit card, you have no choice but going to your overdraft. So what you need to do is switch that light on. So you can navigate around that dark house and see exactly what's around you and then navigate through it without hitting anything and make good decisions. And the way we do that with our clients is to kind of track what they eat so they can find a balance, whether they want to eat more at the weekend and eat less in the week. We help them to kind of find that balance or they just want to eat kind of the same amount all week um, and just find more control there. You, The first thing you've got to do is actually have some awareness of that. And the easiest way to do it is actually track calories, like a meal plan or um, some of these other solutions they may be a quick fix, but they still don't really give you any awareness of this. And if you do want to enjoy yourself at the weekend, there's no real way to make that work. You're just going to fail. Whereas if you monitor the amount you're eating, just like if you keep an eye on your bank balance, then you don't overspend or you don't overeat. Anything you want to want to kind of add to that? I know I've nicked you an analogy there, Ben. No, it's fine. I mean, one of the, um, I think another problem with the kind of meal plan type approaches or any kind of prescribed approach which says, this is what you should have for, breakfast lunch and dinner a lot of people would look at that and think oh yeah that would be nice and simple because i'll always know what i'm doing and always i'll always know what i'm eating i think the problem is though if you're if you're being told by somebody else you're basically being told 
some you're being told all the foods that they would want to eat and you're being made to eat the foods that somebody else would want to eat which is fine i think people can stick to that for a short period of time but if you want to be able to manage something long term i think it's really important to choose an approach where you can just eat the foods that you want to eat but you can see results getting that and like tracking calories and understanding your portion sizes and allowing yourself some flexibility in your in your foods is the best way to achieve that so yeah so moving on to point number two then so the like the second biggest kind of mistake that people make is eating portion sizes which are too big for their age and for their activity levels so a lot of women that we speak to mention that this already may be a problem so we speak to all of our clients before they join us and then we have an onboarding call with all of our clients after they join as well so i hear a lot of people saying that you know one of the things that they really struggle with is portion sizes that they just know that they're eating too much and especially when people are working from home at their desk all day they're not getting out they're not walking much especially in the winter and especially now that people more people are you know not having to commute and not having to go out um if people are still eating pretty large portions, especially for dinner, and especially then if you add in some additional snacks and things into the evening, um, that can then lead to your weight coming going out of control because you're simply eating too much for your body. And as Rob mentioned before, you can't get around that fact that if you're taking in too much food for, for your needs and for the amount of calories that you're burning in a day, your weight's going to go up. There's no, there's no tricks and there's no secret strategies or anything that you can use to get around that it's just it's just the science and one trap that people fall into as well is they a lot of people kind of have the same portion sizes as the other people that they're eating with not taking into account that everyone you're having you're sharing your food with may not be the same as you so for example if you're cooking for a family and you've got your husband there who's maybe you know maybe taller than you bigger than you and because he's a man probably has a bigger energy uh, needs more energy generally than you anyway and then maybe two two young teenage sons or something like that who are just they can eat as much as they can eat an insane amount of food and not put on any weight people then often serve out the same portion for all those four people just because it's natural to kind of do it it just seems like the the logical way to do it but the reality is um your portion size needs to be right for you and this varies with your age it varies with your hormones your activity level varies with your gender and a simple way to do this is, is actually just to use smaller plates. So if you have a smaller plate, you'll, na- you'll naturally have a smaller portion. One thing that I found with myself as well, when I'm kind of trying to lose a bit of weight, because every so often I'll just kind of look in the mirror and notice I've put on a few pounds, let's probably get these off. I'll use exactly the same methods as our clients. And one of the, the best tips I find is to always just serve yourself a smaller portion size than you need. So I always put on a small portion on my plate. I finish that small portion. And then after I've had that small portion, then I ask myself, like, I'm, you know, am I still hungry? Do I want some more? Usually I'm still hungry, but then I'll just add a little bit more. Whereas if I'd just gone for a massive portion at the start, I have this, a lot of people I think are the same. I have this thing in my head that I will just eat what's on the plate in front of me. I'll just automatically try and finish everything on the plate. Don't know if it's just the way I brought up or something my mum told me when I was younger. Who knows? But I think I don't like to just leave food on the side of my plate. I don't like to waste food. And I think a lot of people are, are the same sort of way so yeah using a smaller plate or just having a smaller portion size can really really help another thing that can help is just upping your activity level so you know if you just go out for a 15 or 20 minute walk per day something like 15 to 30 minute walk per day whatever fits into your schedule and your routine 
just getting in an extra 5,000 steps each day will burn an extra 200 calories. And for a lot of people, that extra 200 calories could be the difference between losing weight or just staying exactly where you are. So literally getting out for a walk could be the, the one small difference that you need to make to start seeing those results and start seeing the, the scales moving. And inside of our program, our Fit Over 40 program, we personalize every one of our clients' nutrition to them so that they know exactly how much they should eat um, in order to get to where they want to be in terms with their results. So the key takeaway here is just make sure that you're eating the right amount for you. Don't just eat you know, a generic amount or don't just copy other people. Figure out exactly what needs to work for you. And then that's what's going to get you those results. And often it changes, as you mentioned, Ben, it changes with age. So that's the other thing to kind of adapt with. Unfortunately, our body just works a little bit less efficiently and people tend to move a lot less as they get older, you know, get more important job roles. You're in more meetings and it's locked down and the weather's worked over winter as well. So all of these reasons mean generally you're going to need to adjust your portions. And it's, I think the other thing is that over winter, a lot of people find, I don't know if about everyone else, but for me, definitely you kind of craving a bit more heavy food, like, those comfort foods, stews and, you know, with nice warm bread and things like that, which are really nice, but it's very easy to kind of then over consume stuff in winter when actually you're less active than you would be in the summer. So it's kind of a double whammy. And again, that's why you need that control um, that I talked about in point one of kind of tracking what you're doing, because otherwise you're just walking around in the dark, hoping you don't, you don't mess up. Definitely. Yeah. So on to the third point then. So the third reason why you might not be losing weight, you might not be seeing the scales budge despite doing everything you think is, and this is a really common one I find with stressed out clients, people who are um, who are really busy at work and kind of don't have time to think is that they're mindlessly eating snacks and this easily outweighs any exercise or healthy eating that they're doing. So they may be eating healthy meals. They may be eating healthy lunch and home cooked dinners and things like this. And that in its whole would be completely fine. But then what they're doing is they're eating a load of treats and snacks and comfort food and processed foods on the side. And this may have used to be in the office. So, you know, like Ben said, on Fridays, people bring in cakes and treats and snacks, or it could be at home and just mindlessly picking from the biscuit jar or um, from a pack of crisps in the evening whilst watching TV. And those calories really add up. Like I've got so many clients I speak to who say once they've worked with us for a few weeks, they really we kind of help them shine a light on their habits and they really didn't realize what they were doing. And they thought they were only eating one biscuit a day when they were actually eating five or six or eight biscuits a day, just a couple here and there with a cup of tea or a coffee. And these really add up like biscuits, a pack of hobnobs, which is not that big, like a medium pack of hobnobs is 1,416 calories. And what we've done is translate this into kind of exercise for our typical clients. We've got our typical clients weight um, and height and um, an age so for our average client, he's about 45, about 70 to 80 kilos, uh, maybe a little bit heavier than that, sometimes 90 kilos. We've kind of averaged all of this out. Um, and we found that to burn off a pack of hobnobs, just to give you some reference here, that you've mindlessly eaten throughout the day or throughout a couple of days, you've got to run for two hours and 45 minutes. And that's running nonstop for two hours, 45 minutes, so probably like a, a half marathon or more, just to burn off that pack of hobnobs. So when you think of it like that, I don't know if it sounds less appealing, but certainly to me, I think I'd think twice about having as many of those snacks if I, if I had to actually run them off. And um, the, the couple of other examples, so large bag of kettle chips, 
I don't know about you, but I think they're pretty delicious. Like the the, sea, the salt and vinegar ones are really nice. They're um they're seven hundred and seventy calories, which is the equivalent of running for an hour and a half. Again, non-stop, just that's, to burn off that bag. If you, uh, if you add some dip in there as well, that could be even worse. Mm, some home or some dip or something. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's just going to add to it as well. But it, as Ben, you, I think you were saying before we went live, like you were you saying you you the other day really just sort of mindlessly ate through a pack of crisps and then realized what you were doing yeah i had an entire bag of doritos well i, I knew i was eating an entire pack of doritos it was all it was like a pretty self-destructive moment for me but um <laughs> but it was um i just fancied just really you had this craving for crisps and uh, you know i'd say every every so often um i'll allow myself to let loose which it kind of goes back to this this overall strategy before of like um, as long as your calories are right overall, then you're still going to see results. I'm able to still see results, even if sometimes maybe I have a whole packet of Doritos or uh, I have an Indian takeaway or whatever. I know how to work around it. But um, yeah, that whole packet of Doritos, I think it was 900 calories. Then I had salsa dip with it, which is probably, I don't know, another 100 or 200 calories of dip. So yeah, it can really, really add up. And like, if you think about how difficult it is, it's very, very easy to eat an entire bag of Doritos or an entire bag of kettle chips or even an entire pack of hobnobs it's quite easy to get that food down if you compare that to eating like the same amount of calories in, in vegetables and potatoes and salmon or something like that you're going to feel absolutely stuffed after having that from proper good quality food as well and the effort also to burn it off so to run for an hour and a half to burn off that pack of crisps is pretty hard especially in winter yeah. whereas the effort to eat it's obviously low so yeah all these different foods and it's very easy to just mindlessly eat these in front of the tv or whilst you're working and the problem is even if you're exercising loads it's almost impossible as we said here like a large bag of kettle chips an hour and a half of running which is going to burn more calories than a lot of other exercise uh, it's going to be hours of walking like three four five hours of walking um sharing bag of maltesers is an hour and 50 minutes just to burn it off 950 calories like the chances of you actually doing enough exercise to burn this stuff off is almost zero like unless you're running a, a half marathon marathon every day, you're really not going to be able to burn it off. So the solution to this, then what we'd suggest doing is try and first of all, figure out why you're doing it. Are you just eating it out of boredom? Probably one of the most common reasons we, we turn snacks stuff. I find anyways, boredom or stress, or are you just eating out of convenience just because it's there? You know, when you go on a cupboard raid, I certainly do this. You go start open the cupboard to go and I'm hungry. What's in there? And you grab the nicest thing. Ben and I have talked about this a lot. We're always just going to grab the nicest thing. We're no better as fitness coaches. The only thing we'll do differently is what my next tip is, is to just don't bring them in the house in the first place. Obviously, we're not perfect. As Ben said, he had some Doritos in the house. He bought them and it was a bit self-destructive. But typically, I will not buy this stuff because I know if it's in there, it will get eaten. So get rid of it or make it really hard to access. So don't put it in the same cupboard. Put it in like a cupboard that's high up and you can't reach or something. Make it difficult to get to and then give yourself lots of healthy alternatives that are um, that are a lot that still kind of hit the spot. They're not going to be obviously as delicious as straight chocolate or things like this, but they still kind of give you a bit of a relief and you can eat them when you're bored instead. So it could be um, buying snacker jacks, um, but buying in the individual bags rather than the big bag. So every time you open a bag, you've got to make a decision of I'm having a bag. That's much better than having a big bag where really just you can keep going till the bottom. So make it a bit hard for yourself. You can get things like Hartley's jelly, which is 10, well, they're actually less. They're called 10 calorie jellies, but they're actually like two to four calories. And they're a nice sweet snack. So you can eat that. Basically, it doesn't have any impact at all. So you can eat a couple of them if you really want. 
Uh, you can get protein yogurt. So these Kvarg, I think they're Lindol's Kvarg ones we have in the fridge. They're 90 calories. They're quite big and really filling. So they've got 17 grams of protein in again. So they're way less. They're like a tenth of the calories of a bag of Maltesers. So have lots of these options that are still quite nice. You can even get Halo Top ice cream, which is or the um, Ben and Jerry's uh, Mufouria ice cream. These are like three, 400 calories for a whole tub. So that if you do have one of those moments where you really want to have something in a treat, the damage is limited and it's going to have a much smaller effect. Um, and, and also if you can buy something small, then the mindless eating stops usually when you finish that container. So just avoid big containers, avoid big packets, uh, make those things hard to, hard to find and just, just buy smaller ones. And then hopefully that will mean that you're not going to ruin all the exercise and hard work you've done from your healthy eating as well. Yeah. So tip number four then is basically just because alcohol is liquid doesn't mean it's not fattening. So alcohol is really, really high in calories. So alcohol contains seven calories per gram versus for carbs and protein, they have four calories per gram. The only thing that's more uh, calorific than alcohol or more calorie dense than alcohol are fats, which contain nine calories per gram. So alcohol, it's up there with the, with the really kind of calorie dense foods. So for example, Rob, before you talked about a, a packet of crisp, which was around about 700 calories, something like that a bottle of wine is also around about 700 calories. Now I'd probably say in order, in terms of like how quickly I can consume those foods, I could probably get through a bottle of wine quicker than a bag of crisps. If it's three glasses of wine, I could drink a glass of wine in about three seconds if I wanted to. If I wasn't thinking about enjoying it or tasting it or anything, or about how drunk I'm gonna get from downing three glasses of wine, I could probably get through them in 30 seconds total. So. 30 seconds of effort, you can put 700 calories into your body. And again, just to get rid of that or to burn that off, you'd have to run for an hour and 20 minutes just to balance out that bottle of wine. And I'm sure you can see as well how these things start to kind of stack up. So for example, if you spend an evening in front of the TV, you get through a bottle of wine, you get through a packet of castle chips and you get through some dip, you can easily be eating 1500, 1600 calories in one sitting just from just from that and that could be something that you have after your dinner after lunch after breakfast and when you add that all together it can be like your weight can spiral out of control very 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 quickly so not only has alcohol got loads and loads of calories in it but it, it also comes with a few other disadvantages so the first one is that alcohol tends to lead to your food choices spiraling out of control. So for example, let's say you start the evening with a glass of wine, that could then very easily lead to that second glass of wine, which could lead to that third glass of wine. And when you go to get the third glass of wine, you also might then think, do you know what? I'll just have some crisps as well. I'll have that dip and I'll have this. Maybe we'll order a takeaway. But I think everybody's been there in that position where you know, you've, been, you've been out, you've had a few drinks on the way home, you go past that kebab shop or whatever it is and you find yourself before you know it you're in there you're not even hungry and you've ordered yourself a massive kebab um loads of chips pizza whatever and you just sit there and eat all of it mindlessly because alcohol lowers your inhibition so people will make worse decisions after getting drunk and after consuming alcohol so that can then lead to that mindless eating of crisps of nuts of snacks of whatever it is and overall that can then lead to consuming over consuming way more food than you than your body needs the next thing that can that can be impacted by alcohol is it can actually disturb your or disrupt your sleep as well and that and then this in turn can then disrupt your hormone your hunger hormones i was going to say hormone hormones then that doesn't make any sense hunger hormones so you may have found that found this um, it, it's what like you may have noticed this you may have not noticed this but like 
once you know this, you can also you can start to kind of draw these connections. But you'll probably find that if you have a poor night of sleep, if you don't sleep through the night, if your sleep quality is not good, if you don't sleep for long enough, then you'll find that your your hunger levels the next day, if you're sleep deprived, won't be kind of won't be kind of correct. You'll put you'll feel more hungry than you should. So you'll want to eat more food than you should, because your hunger is essentially controlled by your hormones. Hormones are chemical signals that go through your body and tell you, you know, they, they signal for certain things to happen. So if those hormones are not running correctly, those messengers are not, are not running quickly. You might have too many of those hormones or, or not enough of these hormones running around um, inside your system, which then means you want to eat more and you want to just keep eating and eating and eating. And yeah, and with, with these like worse cravings and these and the, this increased hunger, you're more likely to overeat, which of course means you're more likely to put on weight and definitely less likely to get that weight back off again. And then the fourth thing that can happen with alcohol that you you probably already know, anybody who's had, you know, who's drank in the past will know that after drinking, you end up with a hangover. And I, I find, I'm finding that the older I get, the worse those hangovers are. When I was 18 years old and I'd go out and have a few drinks, I'd be fine. I'd bounce back the next day. I'd be straight in the gym. I'd be just you know, hardly had any sleep, feel absolutely fine. These days, a couple of glasses of wine, I wake up the next morning and I think I can tell I had a couple of glasses of wine last night, I'm not feeling, just not feeling 100%. Um, but yeah, but when you're in that state, everybody's been there, you wake up with a hangover and you think, the first thing you think is like, I just need something to make this hangover better. I need a big glass of water and I need a, a nice full English breakfast to just sort of fill my stomach with food and get rid of the hangover and just kind of comfort me. So again, the hangover can then cause to make cause you to make worse food choices again. So not only is alcohol really high in calories, but it tends to lead to worse food choices in a number of different ways as well. And so the solution to, to this- so Just to ahead, interject yeah. very quickly, it probably means yeah. you're gonna exercise less as well, I imagine, after oh, that. Definitely, yeah. I'm very unlikely you to sit around all day. To go to the gym or to do some exercise when I've got a hangover. Very, very unlikely. Um, but yeah, the solution is basically to find out why you're having that alcohol in the first place. So for a lot of people, they turn to alcohol basically for stress. They turn to alcohol because they've maybe they've had a really, really busy day at work. Things are, things are difficult. You've also got all the pressure of coronavirus, everything you're seeing in the news, and you feel very, very stressed, very anxious almost. And you just want something. To, you just, you're just craving that kind of calm and that relaxation. So people want to just sit down with a nice glass of wine and relax, which I do get. I understand. But like the ironic thing here is alcohol, although in the short term, you know, as you're drinking that glass of wine, you know, it, it may relax you, it may help decrease your stress levels a little bit. If you do that over and over again, if that becomes a regular habit, I think we covered this on another episode, but drinking, kind of regular drinking, regular con consumption of alcohol can increase your stress hormones over time and it can lead to you having elevated stress hormones. So it may be that one of the reasons you're stressed is because you're drinking too much and then you end up drinking more to deal with that stress. So it's just like a cycle that you get in of being stressed because you're drinking and then drinking to cure the stress. So the way to solve this, I would say that the best way to solve this, if you feel like you're in a bit of a pattern with alcohol, is just to cut it out for a short period of time. Now, that's not to say you've got to stop drinking for the rest of your life, but I find that we found with our clients that if you can avoid drinking alcohol for just one week, you'll find yourself a lot less drawn to it. You'll find that your cravings for it 
decrease massively and then it's easier to then kind of reevaluate things and, and look at just having alcohol in moderation and and I like, a good question to ask is like how much are you drinking at the moment and how much would you like to be drinking how much would you be happy with drinking because everybody has like an amount that they will be happy with drinking and for you maybe it's once a week maybe it's once a month maybe you'd be happy with just not drinking at all but everybody has a different preference on this but just figure out what would work for you and then you could start working towards getting to that amount and if it's to do with, you know, if you're drinking because of the stress, if you're drinking with you know, problems in your life, problems in relationships, problems in, problems in work, think about how you can address those problems. So is there a conversation you need to have with somebody? Do you need to have a talk to your boss about some stuff that's going on at work? Is it that you, you just need a way of dealing with that stress better? Maybe you need to go out for more walks or do more meditation, but try and deal with the root cause, like understand why you're drinking in the first place and then deal with that root cause rather than just continually relying on it. Because it could be that just making that one change, just cutting down on your alcohol, that could be the one thing that you need to do. And that one little change could then lead to you seeing the results that you want to see and seeing that movement um, going in the right direction on the scales. And what you mentioned there about stress kind of links us into the final point. So alcohol is one source of stress, but stress on the whole or stress as a whole can block fat loss from happening, especially as you get older, especially for, for people over 40 and for women over 40. So when you get stressed, it raises this um, hormone called cortisol. This is the stress hormone. And this is called the stress response, this, this spike in um, that stress hormone. And it has a number of negative side effects if it stays high for a long period of time. We talked about this on our stress um, hormone episode um, about cortisol a few episodes ago. So do check that out if you're interested in finding out about this in much more detail. Um, but this elevated stress hormone, this stress response um, can increase cravings and it can make it much harder for your body to burn fat amongst many other things as well. So it's really something you want to avoid if you want to lose weight and if you especially want to lose weight from around your middle. And this is significant because as you age, this stress response gets bigger and the increase is three times more in women than in men. So this could be one of the many reasons why um, women over 40 find it harder to lose weight. And the problem is we can't get rid of all the stress coming in. Like you're not going to necessarily be able to get rid of your work pressure or get rid of the back-to-back meetings and the, the work you've got to do every single day. You kind of got to do that. And you also probably can't get rid of your family responsibilities. You've still got to look after family members if they get ill. You've still got to um, look after the house and stuff like that. You can't really outsource everything. Maybe there's bits and pieces you can, but not everything. And if this isn't managed, the problem is it can turn to disrupting these stress hormones, which leads to much stronger cravings. So it can lead to eating all of this stuff we talked about today, eating a whole sharing bag of crisps or chocolate every night. It can turn to drinking wine on the sofa, on the laptop, finishing work that didn't get done in the day just because, again, stress levels are so high, you just feel like you have to get it done. And it can lead to mindlessly eating through a whole bag of crisps and biscuits um, whilst you're working just because the stress levels are high and this is spiked cravings. And unless you find some way of releasing this stress and reducing this stress, this is going to be something you're constantly battling with. And it's going to be kind of an uphill battle, trying to lose the weight, trying to get your weight to budge, but then kind of sabotaging yourself due to this, due to the stress and making it harder to achieve due to the stress. And you can kind of imagine this stress um, like a bath with the taps always on. So you've got the taps on, they're on full blast and the plug is in. And no matter what you do, you don't release the plug. You just keep putting more and more stress in, like putting more and more water in, and eventually that bath's going to overflow. And when that overflows, it causes a lot of problems in terms of your personal life. It could be overeating. 
could be drinking too much, um, it could be snapping at other people, and all of this stuff kind of spirals out of control. So what you need to learn to do is to effectively take the plug out of the bath, drain the water out, and re reduce that stress, kind of release some of that stress so your stress hormones don't get too high, and then you don't turn to food and drink so much. Now, there's loads of different ways to do this. I can't just give you all of them right now, but we do this inside of our Fit Over 40 program um, using a process called the Stress Shield, which is a daily mindset routine that just takes seven to eight minutes, so pretty quick in the grand scheme of things, and it avoids stress levels becoming too high and the fallout from all of that as well. So having some sort of daily practice or some sort of daily routine that helps you to de-stress, whether it's a routine like that, whether it's doing yoga, whether it's um, going for a walk every day, whether it's putting your phone away at night, having some tactics to reduce stress, which is something we work on with all of our clients, is absolutely key as well to get that weight to budge over 40. So Ben, we've talked a lot about um, these different tactics we use with our clients inside our Fit Over 40 program. If, if someone's listening and they are interested in finding out more, I know it's closed at the moment, but is there still somewhere people can go to find out more about it? Yeah, I'd probably say that the best place to go to find out more about what we do and um, you know how our system works, how we've been working with our clients, just head over to www.fit40info.com and you can find all the information on there. And just before we wrap up, we just want to read out a brand new testimonial from one of our clients um, who's kind of followed a lot of the stuff we're talking about today, if not all of it. Um, and before she joined us, her weight wasn't budging. So she said, and this is Julie, it's one of my clients. She said that she tried everything. She said, I tried everything, Weight Watchers, Slimming World, Joe Wick, Intermittent Fasting, Low Carb, Cardio, and Running. And she said, I was skeptical how two young men, glad she's still calling me young at 30, take that as a compliment, skeptical how two young men could possibly know more about female metabolism and menopause than I did. And I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to get motivated and maintain that motivation long-term. When I started, I weighed 92 kilos, the heaviest I've ever been. I felt lethargic, unhealthy, embarrassed, and unhappy. I was squeezing into size 14 elasticated waists and bursting out of size 16 tops. I've made amazing progress with Trinity from day one. I've lost a stone in three weeks. I've just continued to lose weight whilst gaining strength, energy, and bags of confidence. I've lost 22 inches in 24 weeks and a total of 14.4 kilos, which is over four stone, uh, two stone, sorry. Um, I've lost seven inches from my waist. I have a waist now. My jeans are size 12. And I'm going to need a belt soon. Never needed a belt in my life before. I wear fitted tops without needing to cover up over the top. I feel energized and motivated and excited to see what the next 12 weeks brings. So pretty amazing um, story there from, from Judy, who's lost well over two stone. And she actually lost a stone in three weeks as well. And um, she's now, she told me yesterday, we had a phone call yesterday. Um, she's now the lightest she's been in 35 years since she had her first child. So pretty amazing story and that's just a quick snapshot of what kind of things you could achieve if you um, follow the steps we talked about in today's episode so if you're interested in finding out more about our fit over 40 program one more time ben where can people go just head over to www.fit40info.com awesome well i hope you enjoyed today's episode i hope you found it useful and we will catch you next time for the next episode of the trinity podcast so thank you for listening to today's episode of the trinity podcast if you've enjoyed today's episode don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows and also please leave us a quick review it only takes two minutes we do all of these shows completely for free to help you so we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all so thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the trinity podcast